faith is just a word. It's just verbiage if it's not filled with action. James wrote it this way, faith without works is dead. You cannot say you have faith unless your actions are following that faith. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Open your Bible, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. I, I spoke out of Proverbs last week, and I, I used two portions of Scriptures, verses 5 and 6. I'm going to take you into the first 10 verses of, of uh, Proverbs, as we conclude this, this message and this series that we've been doing on, on living a faith-filled life, what's it really mean? How do you actually do it? And uh, so I, I pray that this series has been a blessing to you. I pray that this series has, has been helpful to you and, uh, you know, that you have learned some different things because the, the, the reality in our church, we want you to grow. We want you to mature in the things of God. We don't want the Bible to be a book that just sits on your coffee table or sits on a shelf somewhere that you just blow the dust off before you come on Sundays uh, to church. But it's something you actually, it's a book you actually get into because the only transformative uh, uh, literary piece in all of the world that promises to change your life is God's Word. If you will mix it with faith. If you will mix it with faith. I've made this statement many, many, many times over the years of my pastoring, and it's a statement that is so valid. I want to I bring it out very first and foremost today. Christianity is the easiest and the hardest and I use the word religion very loosely, it is the easiest and the hardest religion in the world. Let me say it again. It's on the screen. Christianity is the easiest and the most difficult, the hardest religion in the world. Okay? It is the easiest because everything has been done for us. It's all done. See, Jesus doesn't say do. He says done. I did it. Signs healed, delivered. It's done. It's the easiest religion in the world because it's done. But ladies and gentlemen, as it says on the screen, it is also the hardest religion in the world because it's all been done. We have this insatiable desire 
that drives us to try to measure up. But as you see the last line there, we can do nothing to obtain our Christian life except by accepting by faith the one who gave it. That's why Ephesians, and it's not in your notes, but you can write it down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says it's by grace we are saved through faith, and that is a gift of God. It's not of ourselves. Okay? It's by grace you are saved through faith. Now understand, grace is not just the unmerited favor. It is the unmerited favor. It is not just given something that you don't deserve. It is given something you don't deserve. But the word grace, when you look it up in the Word of of God, tells us it is God's power at operation in our lives. When you ask Jesus to become your Lord and Savior, God gives you the grace to be changed. So that's why it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's by grace you are saved through faith. The reason that we ask him to be our Lord and Savior is a step of faith. It's something we can't do in and of ourselves. Okay? And as we've learned in this series, faith is not something that we can develop ourselves. It is something only God can give us. And in the book of Romans, the Bible says that God gives us, in chapter 12, he gives us the measure of faith to do, to be, and to become everything that God wants us to be. See, everything to live this Christian life, God gives you. God gives me. And I have a lot of people, the pastor is just so hard. Not at all. It's not hard at all, except you try to do without Jesus. Am I making sense? You see, without God, it is impossible, the Bible says. But with him, all things are possible. Did you turn my mic off, Cody? It's, it's still, okay. They're not speaking to me. I just, I was just wondering, okay. Without God, it's impossible. But through God, all things are possible. He turned me back on. I know. He had me turn it off. That's, I, I know that's what was going on. You know, I, I did a, a word study of that, that, that word all in the Greek. You know what I found out that all means in the Greek? You did the same study. Either that, you've listened to my preaching long enough, or Pastor Ray's preaching. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it would be. Yeah, okay. It's the hardest and the easiest because everything's been done. This is where faith comes in. This is where real faith, legitimate faith, the I realize without you, Lord, I can't do it faith. But with God, I can. A.W. Tozer, one of the the great uh, Puritans of years gone by, uh, tremendous man of God and and wrote some incredible books. If you ever find a book by A.W. Tozer, I would recommend that you read it. He said these words. He said, the man of pseudo-faith will fight for his verbal creed but refuse flatly to allow himself to get into a predicament where his future must depend on that creed being true. 
this, this false faith, this pretend faith. He said, the man will say that I have faith, but he will never allow himself or herself to get in a predicament to where that creed has to be true. He always provides for himself a secondary way of escape so that he will have a way out. And I love the way Tozier puts it, if the roof caves in. And then he concluded the statement by saying, what we need these days is a company of Christians who are prepared to trust God as completely now as they know they must do at that very last day. You see, the truth, ladies and gentlemen, faith is just faith. It's just a word. It's just verbiage if it's not filled with action. James wrote it this way, faith without works is dead. Do I know God's will that I can become successful in my life in Christ to others and for myself? How do I know what God's will? Well, I've found that God has set a pattern in his word for which you and I are to follow if we are to live a victorious Christian life. Be happy, be successful in Christ. And the key to that and many other questions can simply be attained as we decide with our whole lives, am I going to walk this walk of faith? So I'm going to take you through Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to lay this out, okay? I'm going to lay this out uh, very succinctly throughout this scripture. And as I tried to lay out last week where the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your way acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We learned last week that that does not mean that everything's just going to be smooth. That word path or that direct your path or make your path straight, literally that phrase comes from the word make your life manageable. How many think a manageable life would be really cool? Okay. And you can do that when you choose to walk a walk of faith. You see, what you've got to do before anything, folks, is you've got to make a decision that what you really believe is really real. You've got to make that decision. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, he's talking to you and I. He's talking to followers. He's talking to children of God. My son. Do not forget my law and let your heart keep my commands. So I'll, I want to stop there before I go any further at all. Sadly, in Christendom, in this hour we live, many think that God's law is done away with, that God's law is not applicable. There's not a single place in the Word of God that says God's law has been done away with. It says it has been fulfilled in Christ. And so when you're living a life of faith, which you can only do when you are in Christ, the law in him is fulfilled. Therefore, it does not have mastery over you. Yet everything that we do understands what God has said. Everything we do is based on what God has done. Am I making sense? Okay. So he says, do not forget my law. And do not let my commandments flee from your heart. Let your heart keep 
my commands. And then he tells us some very interesting things. Look at the next line. For length of days, long life, and peace will be added to you if you do this. How many like long days? How many like length of days? How many like peace? You mean I have to keep God's commands? Your Bible might not say that, but my Bible. Okay. Now, you, well, you can't keep God's commands. Sure you can if you're in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you're not going to want to steal. If you're in Christ, you're not going to want to commit adultery. If you're in Christ, well, pastor, what happens if I, I do, but I still mess up? That's okay because you're in Christ. And the blood of Jesus, First John Chapter 1, verses 7 through 10 says that the blood of Jesus continually covers our sins. Why? Because we're in Christ. We're walking a walk of faith. I'm trying, Hensley. So let's go on here. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. You mean you have to be kind and honest? Folks, some of the Christians I know are the meanest people I ever met. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Matter of fact, he said, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And he said, because of this, look with this. He you will find favor and high esteem. Oh, I love this. Underline this if I didn't already do it in your notes. You will find favor and high esteem where? In the sight of God and man. We're talking about walking a walk of faith. Pastor, there are some people that just aren't lovable. I know. And they may be sitting right in your chair. Don't know. Pastor Ray, you'll take care of the fallout with that one, won't you? Yeah. The, the, the reality, folks, is if you're a Christian, nice should be part of your demeanor. It goes on to say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. I like to do that in the in the, the Pastor Tim vernacular. Stop trying to figure it out. In every way, acknowledge him, and he will make your life manageable. He shall direct your path. He will make your life manageable. Acknowledge him in everything. And then it says these words. You're saying, Pastor. I want to live a life of faith. How do I do it? I'm giving you a, a succinct outline. The very next words, verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Never come to the place where you think you got it all together, to where you're all that in a bag of chips. No. Okay. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And then he tells us, how to always realize that we're not wise in our eyes is because we fear God and we run from evil. 
We don't, we don't negotiate with it. We don't rationalize with it. We don't discuss it. If you're in a bad situation, flee. And then he said, and I love this because this is all part and parcel of the context. When we received our Sunday morning tithe and offerings, when we returned to God, what was his? I made a statement that it's very tough to give God your heart if you're not going to give him your wallet. A lot of people misquote this passage, but over in, in uh, First or Second Timothy, it's one of the Timothys. He says, the love of money is the root of all evil. He doesn't say money. Money is God. God don't have a problem with money. Matter of fact, God wants you to have a lot of it. Especially if your heart's right before him. Because you know what's going to do? If you have a lot of money, you're going to give more into the kingdom. You're going to give more for his purpose. And you know what happens when you give more money? When God's given you a lot of money, he just turns up the giving fountain. He just gives you much more. Because he knows now you're a funnel that he can work through. But when you stop that faucet, God said, oh, we're starting to love this stuff, are we? We're starting to put this stuff a little bit more before God. So it's not by chance that this next line is in there. He said, if you will honor God with the first fruits, it's the line right before that, I think. Yeah, it's next. I'm sorry. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. The first fruits. There's a lot of people who say, well, you know, that's, that's all Old Testament. Can I tell you something? Jesus talked more about money than anything else in the Bible. The only thing he talked more about than money in the Bible, only thing, health. Both real issues. Are you with me this morning? He said, honor God with your possessions and the first fruits. That's talking about your tithing. Folks, tithing hasn't been done away. The only place Jesus commended the Pharisees was in their tithing. And he told them how wretched they were outside of that, how mean and ornery they were. But they said, at least you're tithing. And you're doing that. And then he said at the end there, and we'll get to uh, touch on that here in a few minutes in, in Matthew. He said, you need to start learning how to be nice. Mercy and grace. He said, don't stop tithing. Don't stop doing what you're supposed to be doing. But add mercy and grace to it. And God said, if you do this, I will make sure your barns are full and your vats overflow with new wine. So let me jump into this real quick this morning. I uh, want to get everybody to the restaurant, which is right across the foyer. <laughs> the fellowship hall. And I want all y'all to stay. You know, it's just going to be a wonderful, a wonderful time. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe what God said 
is true. Do you believe God would save and not do something? Do you believe that God would do what he said he would do? You see, in walking a walk of faith, you can't even get out of the door if you do not believe that. You see, the underlying principle in knowing God and his will and his plan and his purposes in growing your life and mine as the stewards of life, which is what we are, we're going to be held accountable for the life that we have lived and the life that God has given us. The first thing that we have to do if we're going to walk this walk of faith, we have to understand faith and trust and belief are all the same thing. And that if we will do that, God will do what he has promised. The only way to live a victorious life in Christ is through unconditional faith. It is not pseudo-faith like A.W. Tozer talked about a moment ago. It is not this pretensive faith. It is this factual faith that realizes when I step out, God steps in. But it doesn't happen the other way around, ladies and gentlemen. As you've heard me share in this church for many, many years, there's only two things in all of eternity that God did first, and that was creation and Calvary. Everything else God did, he does in response to your faith. When you step towards him, he steps towards you. Matter of fact, when we get out of sorts, God said, return to me, and I will return to you. And I can give you verse after verse after verse throughout the scripture. You see, in our text, we find that the root of all that God wants to do is attached to all that we need to do. When you read through first, uh, P- Proverbs 3, and, and you read actually the first four chapters, the whole thing is talking about wisdom and how to live a life before God. And then it takes two or three chapters and starts talking about morals and ta- starts talking about adultery and starts talking about, and then he goes right back into wisdom, how to live for God. Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. And there, there's uh, many people that actually read one book of Proverbs per day. You know what happens when you read one book of Proverbs per day? You'll read the entire book of Proverbs 12 times a year. And folks, that's a lot of wisdom. And I don't know about you, I need a lot of wisdom. Amen. How come some of those amens get louder when I say certain things? But I do, folks. I need lots of wisdom because one of the things that I have to do is I got to, by God's grace, help all of us. Folks, when I'm helping you, I'm helping me. There's no place in the Word of God that put me on a higher pedestal. All it did is give me more responsibility when I accepted this call known as pastoring. All of the book of Proverbs, when you read through it, they are all-inclusive statements that give you and I no doubt that God wants us to do certain things if we expect him to do certain things. Scripture declares, and it's on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, that in God, that if we will do as he has said, he will do as he has promised. If we will take a step of faith, God said that will never go unrewarded. Remember Hebrews eleven six. We must first believe that God is. That's why we step out in faith. 
Bible says God gives us the grace to do that. It's by grace through faith. He gives us the grace in order to do that. And then he said, not only will I give you the grace, I'll give you the faith to step. Folks, that's the win-win. God said, I'll give you the grace to do it. And then when you get to that part, I'll give you the faith to continue on and to walk this walk that I have set before you. Man, this is good preaching. I'm glad I came today. I'm learning something. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, I have to inject this, folks. This is in direct conflict with how you and I would like to have it. We would rather have God make good on his promises, and then we'll take him at his word. I've had people tell me all the time, well, show me a miracle and I'll believe. And all God says throughout from Genesis to Revelation, if you believe, I'll not only show you a miracle, I'll make you a miracle. You see, God's requirement of faith, of walking this walk of faith, is always in the beginning. It is a requirement of faith that precedes his response to faithfulness. As I just said, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, we cannot even please God. We must first believe that he is, but that he also rewards us as we step out towards him. Can somebody say amen? I want to make a, a statement. And it's in your notes, but I want you to underline this. Because a lot of people in today's Christian world think that God's just going to do everything. And that's not what the Bible teaches, folks. Well, pastor, what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that God has done everything that enables you to do everything. God's put it all in place. And we, we find it articulated in Matthew 18. It's one of those, those mystery verses that says, whatever you bind on earth, be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. What that scripture is really saying, or literally, it's really saying exactly what it's saying. What it's literally saying is what you bind on earth is, should be in accordance to what I've already bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth should already be in accordance to what I have already loosed in heaven. Because all you're doing is you're bringing into you wherever two or more are gathered in his name. You cannot gather in his name without this being the principle of your gathering for his purpose to be done in that gathering. So let me make this statement. And it's in your notes. You need to underline it. You need to highlight it. You need to circle around it. All of God's promises are conditional. Is that up here? There it is. All of God's promises are conditional. This does not mean that God is not faithful. It simply means that he moves on behalf of those who are faithful to him. Are you all okay? I got you. Okay. Once again, we are not called human doings. We are called human beings. He has done everything. And when we give this life to him, 
or if I can put it in Pastor Tim Vernacular, if we start being what he called us to be, then the new one's already done. We're just walking it out. So there's the conditional aspect. When we're responding to him, when we're doing what we're supposed to do before him, God said, fine, I just take it and I press it down. I shake it together and I cause it to start running over. Second Timothy chapter 2, 11 and 13, look what it says. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Now, this is some of those interesting things for, for the eternal security crowds. Those are people who think that, well, once saved, always saved, and it doesn't matter what I do. It matters everything what you do. Look what it says. Okay? This is just one of them. I got hundreds and hundreds of scriptures the Bible tells us. It says, if you endure, you will also reign. If you disown him, you can't disown what you haven't owned. Are you with me? And it's getting quiet in here. And I'm, this, this is good preaching. If you disown him, what's it say? Okay. It's kind of mumbling through there, Pastor. If we disown him. Okay. So this side is kind of getting. Let's go over here. Okay. If we disown him. Folks, I didn't write it. I just preach it. So he tells us we have to endure if we want to reign. If we disown him, he disowns us. But look at this next line. But if we're faithless, he said he'll remain faithful. God's obligation is to his word. And as long as you and I are in him, his word is alive in us. We abide in him as he abides in us. We will produce fruit, and that fruit will remain. As we are walking this walk of faith, God said it might look to you like you aren't doing much, but behind you are droves in the sea of victory because you've chosen to walk in him. I'm trying to break this down because I want to conclude this series today. This is what it's like to walk a walk of faith. God said, you've got to understand, God moves in response to us. Nowhere in God's word do we find God saying, if things go the way you feel they ought to go, then you can trust me. That's not what God's word teaches us. God's word always teaches us they will go okay. Stay in me. Stay in my word. Trust me with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge me and I'll make life manageable for you. See, this is what God's word continually tells us. God is faithful to his word to perform it and he will never deny himself. If we will do what he has said, he will do what he's always done. Can you say amen? First John chapter 5, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God, 
so that you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things that you might know you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God. We know the Son of God gave his life for us. We know that we are living in him. We know that because of him we have eternal life. And this is the confidence that you and I live in as we walk this walk of faith, knowing when we come to him, anything we ask according to his will. According to his will. According to his will. Right? This It's in your notes right there. His plan for our lives. According to anything we ask, according to his. I mean, I can ask God for a Mercedes. If God wants you to have a stinking Mercedes, ask him for it. And he will make a way where there seems to be no way. According to his plan for your life, for mine. You know, the Bible says, I'm listening. And if we know he hears us, then we're assured, we're confident that he's going to answer that prayer. Okay, I, I, could, I could stay there for the rest of the day, but I'll, let me move on here. The second thing, do you believe that God has given you a responsibility to fulfill? Okay, the Bible says very clearly our life is not our own. We have been bought with a price. So it is not our choice whether I go this way or that way. It is our responsibility to say, God, which way do you want me to go? God has placed, and it's on the screen, folks, God has placed in our care. God has placed in our care. Read that with me. God has placed in our care, listen to this, all the possessions, all the opportunities, all the talents, all the time that we now need, have, or experience in our everyday lives. Peter said, everything that God has for you, he's already given to you. He just said, walk it out. Step it out. Get in the middle of it. Every second, every minute, every moment, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year. Like I said last week, you might say, well, Pastor, this is my darkest hour. Wonderful. It's still only 60 minutes long. Well, I'm living my brightest hour. Wonderful. You got 60 minutes. What are you going to do then? Ladies and gentlemen, the reality in your life and mine, God holds the victory in his hands. And he has no desire but to say, here, Bill, there it is. Here, Dan, there it is. There, Pastor Honey, there it is. Heather, catch it. Come on, Ivan, catch it. Come on, Catherine, catch it. God said, I got it. I love what Alan Redpath, if you've never read Alan Redpath, incredible author, uh, he's written many books he's gone home to his, to his reward and and Alan Redpath wrote this 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 uh, book called uh, blessings out of buffetings okay, and it's talking about the life of David and he, he writes this book and in there he said through faith the minute you get saved the minute you give your life to Christ everything that God has is yours How many like hearing that? When you, get, when you give your life to Christ, 
everything God has is yours. It's like the prodigal son. He took all of his stuff and he went and wasted it. But you know when he came back? Dad still put a ring on his finger. Dad put a robe on his back. He killed the fatted calf and said it's party time. My son who was lost is now found. My son who was blind is now see. My son who was dead, he's now back alive. And he said, I'm not changing my plans for you. Everything I have when you get saved is yours. But you, Alan Redpath went on to say, but you will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ you reach out and take. Folks, if God has a plan for me, I'm going to do all the stepping I can get to get right in the middle of that plan. I'm going to do it all. Well, but you don't understand. No, you don't understand. You can make all the excuses why it's not happening, or you can find all the reasons to make it happen. Can somebody say amen? And now, after he has given us all of our perspective, talents, gifts, and even material possessions, he's going to sit back and watch what we do with them. He's going to sit back and watch what we do with them. And he's going to wonder if we have the carpe diem moments where we seize all that God has given us. And we take everything he's promised us. Folks, some of y'all sit back. And you say, well, pastor, that's good for you. You understand this stuff. You're more godly. Those folks think I got a bat phone to God. Can I tell you something? I do. I call and God listens. But can I tell you something? You have the same bat phone. If by faith you will reach out, God's waiting to listen. He's like a daddy or a mommy just waiting for their son or their daughter to do what he said he could do. And God's up there. I can just see him. Oh, I just can't get me. And a boy. And a girl. God is just waiting with the and a boys and the and a girls. But sadly, he sits back with a lot of Christians and say, where are they at? I want to add to them all day long. Am I making any sense today? Everything God has, He's given to us. In Matthew 25, an incredible passage I encourage you to read. Don't just listen to me preach it. Go out and read it, Matthew 25. In the New International Version, the passages use these words, You entrusted me. And the Bible says he gave to each one according to his ability. What does that literally mean? It means that God will give to you according to the ability that he knows you will return to him. It's not your physical ability, mental, emotional, or social ability. He said, I'm going to give to you and I'm going to entrust in you to return it back to me. He'll never ask 
you to do what you cannot do. But, ladies and gentlemen, for us he will not do what he's asked that we do. He's already done it. 2,000 years ago at a place called Calvary, he looked out of the crowd. Can I tell you something? He was looking beyond the crowd. He was looking beyond the moment. When? In the, the day, language of the day, he yelled out, Tetelassi! It is finished. You know what he said? Guys and gals, it's done. All that you ever have to do is done. All that ever was needed is done. All the devil's defeat is done. Now just walk out in it. It's finished. Walk out in it. Pastor, it sounds, sounds so easy. Folks, it is. It doesn't mean that everything's, all the problems are just going to go away. But it, calls, it tells us that God's peace will ensue. And God's peace will come in. God's help and God's hope will take care of the hindrance and hurt. It doesn't say it's going to all go away. He said, I will make your life manageable. Now this passage of Matthew 25 that I've just been alluding to, it starts out with the parable of the ten virgins. And then midway through, it gets into the parable of the ten talents. And then it concludes, and I believe purposely, with the parable of the sheep and the goats. Because the correlation throughout that passage in Matthew 25 is very simply the difference between the sheep and the goats, what they did and didn't do. You know, a sheep will stand out and say, Lord, what you want? Lord, what I do? Lord, what way I go? But the goats, they'll stand up and say, but, 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 Lord, but, 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 Lord, but, but, but. If you're a but, Lord kind of sheep, you better looking out for them horns there, folks. Some of y'all will get that when I'm done preaching today. You got it, John? You got it? Yeah, John. John's just smiling over like a big old Cheshire cat. Just He got it. And the entire chapter there, Matthew 25, deals with the Lord's judgments. And it's all based on what we do and don't do. God has given us everything. And he said, I will keep it. I will conceal it. And I will withhold it in my hand of protection if you will just step out and do something with it. Hebrews chapter 10. My righteous one will live by faith. But if he turns back, I'll have no pleasure in him. Colossians 3 said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since you are members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let 
the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. One of the issues that we have in our Christian walk in stepping in faith is we're not filled with thanksgiving. We're not filled with gratitude. And you look at this passage in, in, uh, in Colossians. He said, let the, let the word of God and the peace of God rule in your heart. But the only way you can let the peace of God rule is when you have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving in your life. Can you say amen? I know I have people say, well, pastor, what if it doesn't work? What if I can't stand the test? What if God's will is something I can't deal with? What if I am not able to hang on? Well, folks, I can answer every one of these things very simply like this. Without trusting God, it won't work, you won't stand, you won't like God's will, and you won't be able to hang on. Without faith. And the key to living a faith-filled life is purposed and established in you and my obedience to God, which is the orchestration of faith. By grace, God gives us the ability to do it. God says, step out in faith, and I'll make sure it gets done. God said, I will incorporate all of this, and I will make it all come to pass. Quickly, I find there's three types of people in the church, later for the world, in the church. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to shout it out, but let's see which person you are. We have the independent. These are those that know what they need to do, but they do what they want to do anyway. These are the ones that trust whom and what they choose. If they like the preaching of this church, I'm hanging. I like that place. The minute that church challenges them, I'm out of here. That guy missed God. I'm gone. And until they go to the next church and they like what was happening until it gets challenging. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to make this statement. If the church you're a part of doesn't challenge you, two problems. You're there and you stay there. I open my Bible, I'm challenged every time I read the Bible. Well, I want to go to church to be encouraged. Yep, I do. I'm encouraged because I'm challenged. And because I'm challenged, I know I'm growing. And that's what encourages me. See, that's the reality. If a church isn't challenging you by the, by the messages being preached, why are we in that church? Because we're not being challenged. And we like that. The independent likes that. Jeremiah chapter 17 this is what the Lord says. Curses is the man who trusts in man, who depends on the flesh for their strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He'll be like the bush in the wasteland. He will not see prosperity even though it's right in front of him. Why? Because he's looking to everybody else to do everything. And God said, hey, I'm the one that's got the thing. How many, remember, how many old enough remember the old, the old Coke commercials, the real thing? Folks, Jesus is the real thing. And he said, I got it for you. 
The second person is the dependent. A little different than the independent, the dependent are those who just step out in faith and say, if God said it, I believe it. Jeremiah 17 goes on to say, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. He'll be like a tree that is planted by the streams of of living water. And the roots will go out to those streams. He does not fear the heat when it comes. His leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought. And he never fails to produce fruit. What is this person? This is the person walking the walk of faith. The dependent one. The dependent one is a good one, but there's one that is possibly even a step better. Let me qualify that. Not possibly, is, and that is the interdependent. The interdependent are like the dependent, but they have this one extra part of their life. They've learned to trust other people and God despite those people's faults. They believe. The part of their responsibility before God is to help other people grow and learn how to walk a walk of faith. That's the reason they'll step out and help. Philippians chapter 4, 13, we love the passage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love the passage. But one of the reasons I love the passage of 4, 13 is because it's connected to 4, 14. And it's in your notes. It says, yet... It was good for me. Is it not on the screen? Yet it was good of you to share in this trouble with me. Folks, we need to be interdependent. We need each other to get along through this life. Let me begin to wrap this up really quick. The last thing that I want to touch on is do you believe that you can walk and live a life of faith. I can't answer that question for you. And nobody else can answer that question. You have to make a decision. Yes, I can walk a walk of faith. Live a life of faith. You see, God's promise is he will never let you down. He will never let you down. Let me say it again. He will never let you down. A.W. Tozer, I referred to him earlier. He said these words, The Bible recognizes that no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience, is a faith that springs from God. We have to understand faith always recognizes obedience. Faith always trusts that God is going to do what God said he would do. Am I making sense today? You and I must learn that God is totally dependable. We must trust that God is totally dependable. I want to go into this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, because I believe this is one of those passages that has been so taken out of context and used as Christians almost as an escape when somebody's going through something. 
And the scripture very simply is on your, it's on your screen. There is no temptation that has seized you except what is common to man. Literally, it's saying except what everybody else is going through. You're not going through anything everybody else isn't going through. It might be wrapped in a different package. It might be, uh, you know, in some kind of different scenario. But everybody's going through the same stuff. That's why Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord. Lean not to your understanding. Acknowledge him in everything, and I will make your life manageable. Okay? It goes on to say, but God is faithful. Everybody's going through the stuff, but God is faithful. Everybody's going through the stuff, but God is faithful. Everybody's going through the stuff, but God is faithful. Turn to somebody and say, I got some stuff. You want to talk about it later? Everybody's going through the stuff, yet God is faithful. I saw some of your minds wander off there. And he said, I won't let you be tempted beyond that you are able to bear. God said, all of us are going through this stuff. That's why Philippians 4 says we need each other. We need to become interdependent. When you're going through it, do not isolate yourself. Do not hold yourself up someplace. Get out and talk to somebody. Get your pastor. Get your pastor's wife. Get other friends, other Christian friends. Then look what he says here. But when you're tempted... Everybody's going through the stuff, but God is faithful. When you're going through the stuff, he said, I will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to bear it. I've had people tell me, well, you don't understand what it, what it, what it means to, to live on this side of the tracks or on that side of the tracks or to be this race or that race or to be this this." Uh, gender or that gender. Yes, folks, there's only two genders. Sorry, I'm not getting into multi-genders. There's only two. There's guy and gal, or male and female. That's what there is. Okay? Uh, you don't understand what it's like. Folks, can I tell you something? If you are who you are, and you're a child of God, your, your gender, your race, your place of living, none of that shocks God. And God still loves you just like you are. You might not like you, which is the problem. Well, they shouldn't treat me that way. You're right. But the problem is not the way they're treating. The problem is the way I'm receiving. Folks, this is all worth the admission right here. But when you're tempted... He said, I'll make a way. But then look at the last line. Therefore, in all of this, look what he says. Therefore, flee idolatry. Precarious place to have that. What's he saying? Let me define idolatry real simple. It's anything putting you before God. It's anything that you have before God. That's all idolatry. So when you're in this situation, you think, you know, God, I don't think you can take care of this. Or God, nobody knows where I'm like. 
God, nobody knows uh, what it's like to be like I am. That all revolves around that word idolatry. Somehow you think you're a little more important than what God is. It's getting quiet, but that's a good thing. It's settling in. Let me put it into Pastor Tim vernacular. Stop making it about you. The pastor, nobody understands. Stop making it about you. God understands, and it's ultimately about him. Okay? Now, I'll get off of that before Pastor Ray has to go fix all the messes I make. We think, and I, left, I put it on the screen, folks, we think idolatry to be a tangible thing only, but idolatry literally falls under the banner of where we put our trust. And when you make it about you, that means you're trusting you and not him to fix the situation. Hebrews 13 says, keep yourselves free from the love of money. Be content with such things as you have. Do you know that most people think that this whole thing is talking about finances? But you have to take the whole thing in context. And God said, be content. Money was just a portion of it. When you read the whole in context, he's talking about your way of life. He's talking about the life you live. He's talking about where you are. He said, be content with what you have. And then he says, do you know where your contentment comes? In the fact that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You want to walk the walk of faith? You got to realize God's walking it with you. God is there with you every single moment, every single day. So with confidence, I can say, yeah, I don't understand why I'm here, but God's my helper. I don't understand why God made me this way, but God's my helper. I, I don't understand why they're doing all that stuff out there, but God's my helper. Therefore, I ain't got to be afraid of what no man can do. See, that southern just comes right out of me. I ain't got to be afraid. Three things and I close. We must have faith in God and adversity if we're going to walk a walk of faith. We must have faith in God, in adversity, if we're going to walk a walk of faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I've said it forever, and I'll keep saying it. Trying times are trusting times. There's an old saying from many, many years ago, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. You might be in a situation, you say, I just, I just don't know where to step. Well, this is a true story from the, the they called it the blitz during World War II where Germany was just dropping bombs all over England and all over uh, Europe. And, and it was just this massive uh, uh, blitz against uh, London. Well, this mom hit right next to this house, and a father was holding his small son by the hand, and they, they ran from the building that had been struck by the bond, the bomb. And in the front yard, there was a great big hole 
in the ground where another bomb had hit and, and blew this great mortar hole. Well, seeking shelter as quickly as he can, his father jumped into the hole and held up his hands for the son who was following. Well, the little boy was terrified, yet he kept hearing his father's voice telling him, Son, jump! Son, jump! The little boy cried out said, Daddy, I can't see you. Daddy, I can't see you. Well, the father was looking up against the sky that was tinted red by the burning buildings and the continual bombing that was happening. And he saw the silhouette of his son and listened to what he said. And the boy said, but, but Daddy, I can't see you. And the father said, but son, I can see you. Jump. And all of a sudden the boy jumped because he trusted what his father said was true. I will not miss you. I will catch you. I will keep you. I will help you. I will encourage you. I will strengthen you. I will give you hope in the middle of the hopeless situation. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian faith, the Christian walk, the walk of faith enables you and I to face life or to meet death. Not because we can within ourselves, but because of certainty of the one who sees us and walks with us and stands with us and says, if you'll just jump and step out, I will catch you and I will step in and change your life forever. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. The second thing quickly as the worship team comes is we must have faith in God. In the times that everything is going wonderfully. Ladies and gentlemen, we sit back and think, well, the preacher says you got to have faith when things are hard, when things are hard. No, no, no. you got to have just as much faith when things are going wonderfully. Look what he says in 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth or uncertain riches, but to trust in God. Who said, I'll take care of everything. Whether you have adversity or great blessing, you got to walk the walk of faith. And the third thing, we must have faith. And I want you to hear this. I left it in your notes, folks. We must have faith. That God is our provider. Folks, you can lose your job in a heartbeat. You can lose a limb. You can lose everything. But if you'll stand in faith, God said, don't worry. I won't lose you. I'll keep you. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. Psalms 20, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I'm going to trust in the name of my Lord. Why? Because Proverbs 18 says, the name of my Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they're kept safe. I have a little breakdown that I want to give you. How do I walk this walk of faith? Well, if you have that, it's that thing that I had you do there at the end. Chris, thank you for picking up where I forgot to send it in. Faith is this. 
Watch, it's going to be on the screen. Is it on there, Chris? Faith is, ladies and gentlemen, derived from the Word of God. Romans, 7, or Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by God's Word. Everything we have in this life is of faith. The Bible says anything that's not of faith in Romans 14 is sin. Or Romans 12, 14. Anything that's not of faith is sin. And it's detrimental to your life. Faith is derived from the Word of God. The second thing for us to understand, faith is demanded by the Word of God. Without faith, you can't even please Him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Unless you make a decision, I'm going to walk a walk of faith, you can't even please God. So the second thing, faith is demanded by the Word of God. The third thing, faith is designed with the Word of God. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5 it says we walk by faith and not by sight. Folks, you, you look out there, you'll see problems everywhere. But God said, keep your eyes lifted because my promises are riding above all of them. And I'll overcome everyone. Faith, ladies and gentlemen, is designed with the Word of God. You can't have faith without God. You can't drum it up. You can't design it. You can't make it. You can't reach out and try to grab it. God has to give it to you. And God said, I can only give you faith if you realize I am your source. I am your strength. I am your present help in time of trouble. Am I making sense? Faith. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of. Is a dichotomy. It is a dichotomy in the Word of God. What does that mean, dichotomy? That's such a huge word. That means there's a dual nature to it. You can say you have faith, but if you're not living it, you won't have any growth in your life. That's what it says there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Everybody God wants to give faith to, but unless they mix it with their actions, unless their actions are mixed with their faith, they can't have the victory that God has promised. And the last thing, faith is the duty of the Word of God. Romans 1.17 says, The righteous will live by faith and if you will live by faith God will meet all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord can somebody get excited give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house of God God said it's time to start walking it start talking and start living this life of faith you might want to trust in horses. You might want to trust in chariots. I'm going to trust in the name of my God. Why? Because my God is a mighty, strong tower. And I, as a righteous child, I'm going to run into God. And there I can remain safe. There's an old Irish ballad that talks about this life of faith. Heather was writing 
last night and she was working on the worship set. And she said, Pastor, I got these two songs and I'm trying to figure out which one for the altar. And the minute she put the two songs down, I picked the one that I already knew it was that she didn't know anything about. And it's a song of the old Irish as they trusted God. And the song resounded as you'll put it up on the screen, Chris. It says, my vision has to be God. My hope has to be God. My purpose has to be God. My joy has to be God. My all and all has to be God. What am I saying? That's called a walk of faith. When I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to trust in Him with all my heart. I'm not going to try to figure this day out. I might have it written down on paper, which is a good thing. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay that before the altar of God and say, God, you see my day. I see the direction I think I should go, but you know the direction you know I should go. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge you. Here it is, God. Here's my day. I'm going to trust in you with all my heart. I'm not going to try to figure this out. I have it laid out. I'm going to acknowledge you. Because, God, I need you to straighten this path of mine. I need you to make this day manageable. I need you to make this life. Where are you at in your life? Chaos? Frustration, aggravation. Ladies and gentlemen, it starts with a walk of faith. And I know I'm beating this drum a little long, and I, I, I apologize. I try to be respectful greatly of your time. But I'm going to end this series today. And I want us to understand, guys, I can't do it without Jesus. I spent the first 30 years of my life without Jesus. 25 years of my life without Jesus. Oh, I was in church. But Jesus wasn't there. Because I wasn't there because of him. I was there because of me. That whole idolatry thing. You say, well, Pastor, that's where I am today. I'm, I'm there because of me. It's okay to start there. But then get out of that victim boat. Get out of that thing that says, well, you don't know. God does understand. He knows where you are. He knows where you've been. But he said, if you'll jump in my hand, I'll get you where you're going. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harden. 
from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.